Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Ring, 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 ring. May I please speak with Zoe? Oh, hello, Lamorne. Let's patch in Hannah. God, I forgot what it was like working with you guys. Welcome to our show. Hello, everybody. How you doing? What are you having now? You having a uh, protein my, shake? Well, g- folks, if you're just if you're just tuning in, um, my chef. <laughs> okay. We're one second in. Your chef made you a smoothie. My chef made me a smoothie. It is. Is your it, chef your mom? By the way. <laughs> no, no, my mom refuses to take on that role, um, so mm. I don't respect her. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, my my chef made me this smoothie. I, I'm my chef, by the way, guys. When I say I have a chef, it's me. <laughs> thanks to home, th- thanks to home chef. <laughs> thanks to home oh, chef. Oh, oh, is that your? Sh- is that the chef you're talking about? Yeah, home chef is my actual. That was chef. a long play for um one of our sponsors. I know, yeah. I know, and I and I do apologize to home chef for not giving them the credit they deserve. But well, I think everybody's <laughs> been on the edge of their seats since last episode. That's right. 
um, wondering about your your personal chef. Are they also your chauffeur? <laughs> home chef has yet butler. to come out with that tab on their app. Home butler, home chauffeur. Mm-hmm. That's right. I have everything, guys. Right. Again, so uh, your uh, role, your Rolls Royce drives itself. Yes, yes, but my Rolls Royce doors don't actually open the way traditional Rolls Rolls mm. Royce doors open because it's just the it's just the old school Bronco. <laughs> it's just like not a Rolls Royce. Not it's Rolls just Royce at all. Not a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, well, here we are, guys. We're talking about episode one twelve, landlord. Okay, folks. This week we're reviewing the episode one twelve. The episode is one twelve, landlord, landlord. Now Schmidt, Schmidt wants to do it with his boss in a nasty way. You guys, a very disgusting way. But the signals are very blurry, and he's not sure how to initiate. Luckily, Cece tells him to just do it already. She puts that battery in his backpack and sends him on his way. So Schmidt slides across a car hood in a dramatic fashion and kisses the hell out of his boss. Hmm, was it creepy and aggressive? You're damn right it was. It was borderline offensive. Unfortunately, security thinks the same thing that I'm thinking, and they think she's being attacked. Meanwhile, the stress of living together reveals the differences between how Jess and Nick view the world. You see, Jess treats everyone with kindness and expects their inner kindness to be revealed in turn. Nick, y'all know Nick, y'all. Y'all know how Nick gets down. He distrusts everyone and he a mean something something and he matches whatever aggression he is met with. That's how he sees the world. You see, Jess is so kind, she literally disarms an angry driver fighting Nick for a parking spot. No, she is feeling herself, y'all. She is feeling high off her own supply. Jess decides it's time to ask the landlord to make repairs around the apartment, despite the boys' insistence to just leave it alone. You see, the boys know the landlord, and they know exactly what's in store. Let's meet Remy, y'all. Mm-mm-mm. I love this dude. Remy is the landlord who lives in the basement and handcrafts shivs. If you don't know what a shiv is, Google it. And that about sums up the landlord. <laughs> you see, his scary demeanor can't deter Jess's eternal optimism. Unfortunately, she reveals way too much. And now Remy knows there are one too many roommates living in 4D. The guys have a plan. But despite Schmidt's incredible accent, I mean, it was superb. It failed spectacularly. Jess's kindness theory might be correct because Remy agrees to let them stay if they paint over the erotica in Winston's room. He even agrees to make some repairs. Fun fact, that erotica that was in Winston's room is now in Lamorne's garage. (laughs) I stare at it every day. (laughs) But Nick is on to Remy. You see, he sees the way he makes excuses to touch her and stay in the apartment and to guide her. It's a little suspicious. Nick is kind of a detective, y'all. He don't just write about it. He be about it. And he don't like it one bit. But Remy turns out to be a good listener. And the two commiserate over their recent heartbreak. Perhaps it was the hug Nick gave him. So warm. Such a gentle embrace. But after dinner, Remy strips down to his boxers and initiates a... I can't even say it is so freaky. Remy tries to initiate a threesome. Now both Nick and Jess feel they were right about Remy and enter a game of sex chicken. Show of hands, how many of y'all have ever played sex chicken? (laughs) I know I have. 
Curiously, it's only when Remy suggests Nick and Jess kiss that Jess backs out of the agreement. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. But In the end, Jess requests that she know when a shenanigans is going down so she can be a part of it. <laughs> They'll just have to rely on Nick's fixes from now on. Now let's jump into the show. This episode directed Peyton by Peyton Reed, amazing director. Peyton Reed, written by Josh, Josh Malmuth. Friend of mine. Killer. Yes, by Josh Malmuth. I love this episode. It's <laughs> so yeah. weird. When I knew we were doing this episode, my body instantly just started to cringe. And I haven't watched it since it aired, but it's yeah. like that great, uncomfortable, weird comedy where you're like, it locks it right up to the line of where I feel comfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this this episode is is I like it states immediately the cold <laughs> open is very different from most cold opens on the show. It doesn't start with everybody running into the living room. It starts no. with Jess and Nick are fighting with someone for a parking spot and then oh, the yeah. guy pulls out a gun and and Nick's freaking out and Jess kind of does you know some gesturing and um gesturing. gesticulating <laughs> <laughs> and the guy calms down puts away his gun and gives them the parking spot and so it starts this kind of argument it it's kind of the first point for Jess in the argument, are people inherently good or are it people inherently bad? And so Jess believes people are inherently good. Nick believes people are inherently bad. And they're both really hell-bent on proving to each other that each one of them is the right one. Okay, we well, you know we we've got to go around episode. the circle right now. And which do you believe? Oh, I believe people are inherently good. A little more. Uh, I think people are born demons. Uh, no, I think <laughs> people are inherently good. I think they're good. You, you know, I think sometimes certain things could be a learned behavior, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, and people make bad, sometimes bad decisions. Yeah. my kids actually say it. They say, there are no bad guys. There are just good guys making bad choices, mm -hmm. right? That's right. Because a lot of bad guys, they're, they don't think they're doing, they're, they're justified in their actions. They don't, right. you know, Look at every superhero villain. They have circumstances. Villain. Yeah. Yeah. Every superhero villain believes they're doing the right thing. I feel like I believe everyone is inherently good, but I operate um, with the uh, suspicious <laughs> eye on people like they are inherently bad. <laughs> uh, okay. The evil, the, we call it the evil eye. <laughs> well, I'm just like, mm, maybe you in the 1%. Maybe all y'all in the 1%. <laughs> um, all right. That's a good temperature check. As we dive into this episode and also that cold open has one of my favorite lines because when <laughs> the guy puts his gun away and gives up the parking spot, uh, Nick Miller says, you just out crazy the crazy. <laughs> That's how his read on the situation is. It's not like, wow, you disarmed him by being like, obviously nice in some way. And he could see that he's just like, you're crazier than a man with a gun oh, trying yeah. to get a parking spot. That's his point of view. That's what you do. It's just, you act crazy. When somebody, if somebody's trying to rob you, if somebody's attacking you, you act sick. That is some legit advice that people give you. That like is, if someone runs up you Steve on the Martin street. It's bit, actually. Yeah. Is it oh, really? Yeah. Get yeah, crazier than them? Yeah, it's an old like, Steve Martin stand-up bit that, that if you're walking through a bad neighborhood, just 
like act totally yeah. crazy, <laughs> like walk crazy, like act crazy. And then no one will mess with you because they'll be like, mm, that guy's crazy. Oh, yeah. Don't mess with him. <laughs> Good advice. That's uh, Nick Miller's read on the situation is justice goes bonkers. And she's like, no, I'm just <laughs> I'm being nice and just apologizing for you being rude. Yeah. So in this in this in this episode, um, Schmidt believes I mean, he, everyone he thinks everyone is out to get him. The 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 delivery guy. The, the, the that's the funniest the, one. I oh have to God. decline. <laughs> Nick, uh, no, sorry, Schmidt. Uh, I have a packet for sh- package for Schmidt. <laughs> I'm gonna have to decline. Right. <laughs> Slams the door. Okay, guys, I'm sorry, but I have to do it. Please duck and watch your foreheads, because here comes another useless gem. Oh, I'm about to drop. Oh, okay. Fold your bangs over, because this could scar you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in the in this particular storyline um you know again there's a montage of different people that he's trying to that he's trying to that he thinks is fl- are floating with him there's a woman getting on the elevator she goes three please <laughs> as the door closes you know it was that whole moment between those two on the elevator he's yet another person he thinks is trying to flirt with him funny story that actress her name is alex lynn ward alex phenomenal actor would would was coaching me for all of my auditions for New Girl. What? Oh my god! Coach me. In fact, when I got the call that I w- got the part, w- w- her and I were both driving away from the lot at the at leaving the audition. When I got the wow. phone call, get so out cool. of town. It's so so dope, so dope. And I forgot about it until I watched the episode, and I was like, "Oh damn, that's Alex!" So shout out to Alex Lynn Ward. Is uh, she? Um, working as an acting coach still? Uh, no, she actually she was she's an actor, but she was just helping yeah. me. She's she was just, just coaching helping. me. She was coaching. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. super. Yeah. In fact, she was right out of college, and I think that's why she was right out of theater school, and that's why she would coach people because she kind of had all the basics and old school stuff that you forget down. Yeah. And so, right, right, right. Um, and she just moved to L.A. and would I'm talking every it was like a it was like a job almost. We would yeah during pilot season would read everything. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. nice. Alex Lynn Ward, y'all. Anyway, that was my useless gem. You can fold your bangs back up. I, I love have, it. Um, my a very are back. useful <laughs> gem. Mm, information. So I uh, sent a little texteroo to yes. Josh Malmuth, who wrote this incredibly yes. funny episode, and said, uh, you have any info um, that we can share with our listeners? And this is what he wrote. And maybe you guys are familiar with this, but oh, I wait, was Did you not. send it to Daniel? Daniel can play it on the... Oh, no, no. It's a text. I think I know what you're going to oh, say. Oh, it's a text. Okay. I okay. bet you, you guys might know about it, but I did not know about it. I knew about so, this. So, um, he says, well, I don't know if you guys can talk about it, but here we go. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, what um, is it? Controversy. The whole Bruce Willis ordeal. Yep. What? Where his people said he, quote, wanted to do the show, end of quote, and we waited and waited and never heard anything. And he says, I'm sure no one ever told him about it. (laughs) 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 And I said, wait a second. So he could have been the landlord? And he said, yep. And I go, right next to Nakatomi Tower? (laughs) That's where we filmed. Because we filmed 
uh, our the Fox lot was right next to the building that was in the Die Hard movies. That's right. And he said, you didn't know about this. It was a whole thing. They, like, I remember us- this. Now you're telling yeah. you, now that you're saying it. I remember they were saying that Bruce Willis was going to maybe play the landlord. Like, like, right. the, you know, so he was before. in apparently and then <sighs> nothing happened. And so then they just waited and waited and walked it up as close to the line as they could. And then Brucey didn't show. That's so, right, because they, yes. We moved our days around. We had to shift the schedule. I remember that's that. That's right. And so you're saying Prince showed up, but Bruce didn't? You girl, that's exactly what I said back. I was like, so Prince showed up? <laughs> <laughs> Prince we showed had up. The same thought. This is why we're friends, girl. I said, Prince could show up? Taylor? That was, yeah, Taylor Swift and Prince could show up for our show, but Bruce Willis couldn't. You know. Damn but you know what? But, I worked. I actually love Bruce Willis. He's so he was lovely to me. I worked with him on a movie called Rock the Casbah, mm-hmm. um, and he was so nice. I loved him. He was really fun to work with. So he probably just like was. It was. It was probably a scheduling conflict or something, and then that never got back to us. Right. Or some, maybe he never knew and never agreed. And maybe whole he never thing knew. Is I think there's sometimes so mythology. many people. I think there's so much, sometimes so many representatives, like when you have a person that's really famous that something could get, get lost in translation and you could just something, you know, couldn't, might not get communicated. And then, you know, Bruce, if you're out there, you got to clean it up. We got to know the real story. What happened? We want to know the real story. <laughs> you got to come on the podcast. Also, I, I will say this though, Jeff Kober, who we did get for Landlord, Phenomenal. He was fantastic. It was he meant was for him. so great. It was Love meant for him. It was meant for him. Yeah, and he he really he really captured it because when I <laughs> when you just first goes down to his office, you're like, ooh, he's he's kind of scary. Um, uh, and then the way he warms up feels so genuine, like. <laughs> when he starts like warming up and like kind of let you know letting you know opening up to Jess it does feel like the creepy guy who all of a sudden feels comfortable and is So let's talk up. about that. Let's so let's talk about that. He opens up to you, right? What's going uh-huh. on in this moment? In this moment he... I think he's he's misreading Jess's Kindness, Wait, is he which, really the creepy guy or is he just he's misreading mi- the th- whole situation? I think he's a loner, so he comes off as creepy. And that Jess, I mean, in, in a way, like just being devil's advocate, um, Jess is being kind of manipulative because she wants him to fix stuff in the apartment. And she's like, in a way, it's what we talked about in the Jess and Julia episode that Julia is perceiving that Jess is doing certain things to be manipulative, which I think Jess is genuinely nice. But in this episode, she's kind of like, well, I'm going to be nice to him, but she is kind of trying to get something from him. She's, you know, and he takes that as, you know, he misreads that as, Oh, she's interested in me. Anytime a woman asks me to come over and fix her pipes. Anytime a woman says, can you come, you know, fix my water cooler, which happens all the time. You know, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I get ideas. Well, you I get mean, ideas because you can't fix a water cooler probably. Right. So I'm like, why is she calling me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't even know what a water cooler is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how the Schmidt storyline and the Remy storyline are kind of intertwined, right? Just right. misreading 
the signs yeah. of what's going yeah. on and hoping <laughs> <laughs> it is the way you uh, want it to be, which is that these uh, cute women are into you. Into yes. Yeah. And Nick Miller, mm-hmm. he thinks that they're <laughs> going to have a threesome <laughs> with him. Mm, that's right. So that's where that's where this his so his this idea that he wants he's misreading your signs. He he misreads your signs so much, and you guys are being so catty to each other to such a degree. Mm-hmm. And there's such a miscommunication yeah. happening that the three of you end up in some sort of weird. Form a game of threesome chicken is what I kept thinking. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Threesome chicken. Yeah. It's a great, great way to describe it. Threesome chicken. Remy says, I've never had a threesome before. Let's do this. And that Jess and Nick are so resolute in proving the other one wrong that mm-hmm. they both start playing this game of threesome chicken where they both start committing. Oh, yeah. Um, Super committed. And do a weird dance. So, you know, and I, I did find this interesting. You know, Nick, and I'm not sure if this is an episode out of order type of situation, but Nick, he kissed you. No. Oh, that's, he tried to. He, he, he tries to. He tries to. And I, to. I, that's where I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. But it he, becomes but, really close to being the first Jess and Nick kiss. But he, yes. but, but technically, because Julia was right before him, right before the episode before. Mm-hmm. Was he cheating? That's true. The fact that he would be down for like a threesome when we just agreed to be exclusive to another woman. He Crazy has a girlfriend, technically. Well, no, again, they're both so committed to proving each other wrong. They can't see any other, you know. Again, I think this is where New Girl <laughs> delightfully <laughs> uses flaw the character's flaws to make the stories work you know that's gonna I be would, my excuse that's gonna be my excuse i was about to say you was gonna play on real baby 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 i was gonna have a threesome but it was a bit it was a character flaw bit super committed there's a difference there's a difference no 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 babe i'm not obviously he's wrong he's wrong obviously but i think in this case that they both are not thinking about anything other than proving the other one wrong. Otherwise, they wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's not is to play devil's advocate for Nick Miller for a second. I feel like he was never going to cheat because he thought for sure she's going to bail gonna back down. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. actually going to do this, yeah. but yes. uh, and she does. She does back down. Yeah, right at the last second. Yeah, yeah. And now it's interesting. He does um, lean in, though. I'm going to say. He, no, he, he leans lean in. in and it looks for real. It yeah, really does. If Julia saw that, I think she'd be like, doesn't matter if you consummated the kiss or not. She'd be you out. Leaned it was not okay. Can not we talk okay. about a couple a couple of things about his aesthetic and yeah. dynamic when trying to set up this threesome? Um, Remy, the landlord. When you guys are sitting down at table at the table drinking his moonshine or basement <laughs> hooch or whatever you would call it. Basement hooch? <laughs> basement hooch. Uh, it's a good band. His shirt. Have you guys noticed his shirt? Mm-hmm. De- Deborah put him in a Versace silk. I don't know what that thing was. But when I saw it, I said, my God, this man looks like a straight up Miami drug dealer. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, it was a very interesting choice for, for a man who lives in his basement. I said, where did he get this shirt from? And then when he goes in the room, he puts on the music. 
<laughs> I mean, oh my God. What I don't I don't know about you guys. Uh I looked up that song and it was it was called uh Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Rusted Root, <laughs> which is like a it's kinda like got a little hippie vibe kind right. of and when I played it, at first I was like, that's an interesting choice for a song. But I just kept listening to it. I was like, <laughs> I was legit going, I can see this. I can, I can see this. I can see this song playing in the background of every threesome around America. I can see yeah. it. Very, <laughs> it's kind like, of a playful, <laughs> non-sexual sounding song to, <laughs> to start uh, a threesome. It's funny that you have to like, when you put a show together, go... <laughs> does he wear for a threesome what song yeah. choice do you want for this yeah. threesome what really was on his shirt world. by the way i couldn't really see it was like a, it was a multicolored long sleeve yeah dress shirt like a very dressy brave. again brave v- shirt very brave very gaudy very bra- yeah yeah that's why i said versace i, I just sure thought it was, it was like it had some kind of pattern on it and i was like what was that pattern because i either don't remember it because i watched it late last night and by late i mean nine o'clock because <laughs> <laughs> so i'm a guys. mom and i <laughs> i get tired early um, i watched it last week in preparation oh good moment. for you good I'm memory kidding. i'm kidding um what do you guys oh. think is nick the most negative person you know character Look, you know I feel like I I I'm much more Nick leaning than just mm. leaning in this episode. Like mm. when I watched Remy like tin cup Jess. Yeah, you know? I would and be, be like, very Let much me out. Help you with the door. Yeah. I'm like I think of okay, myself bro. as an optimist who sees the best in people and that point I'd be like <laughs> Yeah, no I'd no, be no. very much not committing to that anymore. I'd we be need like, the Let's COVID rules. I need my six feet back <laughs> yeah. it up. You can shout your instruction, like don't come up and like put your body behind me. I like my physical space. That's right. But I think I think I think um I think both of you are misreading the situation. Remy wasn't just hitting on Jess. He was <laughs> hitting right. on Nick as well. Nick and you're right. You're right. That's why he said what he says I mean he he I think it was very, very clear. It was very, very clear. In yeah. the beginning. I, I mean I, but that's what I love so much is the whole time Nick is openly saying, I'm gonna fight the I'm going to fight this man. I'm going to come for you. I know what you're trying to do to my girl here. I got it. And not realizing that Remy's just finding him more and more attractive. Yeah, he's coming for him too. <laughs> he's like, please come or for me. Or Remy is picking up that Nick and Jess have some kind of a connection. Right. And he's like, deal. all right, if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. Ah. Now, the weirdest part of the whole thing, and this is where I start, my skin starts to crawl because I get really uncomfortable with Things like this on TV where he was like, well, I'm going to let you guys kick it off. I was like, no. <laughs> Wait, no, my the thing that sends no. chills up my spine is when <laughs> he says, yeah, Nick, dip your toe. <laughs> <laughs> dip your toe. Oh, that was such a good read. Uh, I no love toes. it so much. Um, so like yeah, it. Nick. Your toe. I like it. I like <laughs> it. It's like a serial killer. <laughs> oh, I do believe serial car- killers are inherently bad. There you go. Yes. That's yes. where you draw the line. You, mm-hmm. I draw the line at you, serial killers. That's right. That's right. Unless they're Dexter. 
Because if you're Dexter, <laughs> right, you're then killing, you're like the Robin Hood of yeah, serial yeah. You're killing, yeah. you're killing, you know, bad people. You're bat, you're Batman. Mm-hmm. Dexter is mm-hmm. Batman of serial killers. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back. By the way, mm-hmm. do you think that movie, The Batman, stole it from our show? Because I was like. The whole joke in that Batman, you know, like later years from now, we'll probably be doing that Batman episode. I can't remember what season it was, Batman three Mobile. or four. Batman. Yeah, Batman, Batman Mobile. It's like, I'm the Batman. And we kept making jokes that he kept seeing the Batman. And now there's a movie called The Batman out. I think that's a direct linear thing. We they said stole, it. They that, did I'm say we started it. Mm. Mary, is the, yeah. Post my check. For all the fans out there, do your research. Potatoes. Do your research because we do believe that they stole it from us. <laughs> um, if you guys have a problem with it, like and subscribe. Um, yeah. <laughs> Send us ca- cold hard cash. <laughs> um, speaking of cold hard cash, let's throw to some commercials and we come back. Let's talk about Schmidt and asking to smooch. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! 
I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano. Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our show. We are black. If you're just tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I I found um, a present you gave me that I hadn't, I never drank the bottle of white girl rosé that you gave me. (laughs) (laughs) Lorne, I found it in, (laughs) but I'm going to have to. Do that. So thanks for that. Uh, that. How long ago was that? Thank that was a, my rap gift. Oh my god! <laughs> for the final season. <laughs> oh Thank you for that. You're very welcome. I do like rosé. You're like I found this. It was perfect for you. <laughs> I think it. I think it, yeah. It was a play on words. It's got your race. It's got <laughs> your great. It's perfect. It's got everything. <laughs> like it defines me. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Schmidt. We're gonna talk about Schmidt because I think this is something that people um, struggle with and have talked about through time. They're asking to kiss. Right. Or, you know, asking permission mm-hmm. to do right. This was a long time ago that we made this show. Yeah. yeah. Sexy, unsexy, the murky 
asking for permission. It's murky. I think it's murky because obviously consent is incredibly important, but then, uh, you know, it as evidenced in this episode, that's what his, you know, hookup wanted. Right. Yeah, the clear nonverbal cues is what this all rides on. Yes. And are there clear, can there be a clear nonverbal cue other than like, um, you know, actual sign language that's like, you know, American sign language or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> can I just, there be? I get out of it. I, I'm, I've, I'm a master at conquering that scenario. Okay. You want, break you it down. know what I do? Mm. You send your chef in to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it's called a chef's kiss. No. Um, <laughs> what, <laughs> no. And then if she says, ooh, I wish I was that little hand making that gesture, <laughs> then you know. Just your in the ribbon, like, mwah. Uh, <laughs> mwah. Kissing your fingertips. And she's like, I, And then she goes, I wish I was your hand right now. <laughs> no, I'll just do it and blame it on my Italian upbringing. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> this is what we do. No. Are you um, from Italy, Lamar? <laughs> now I am. <laughs> to get out of jail. No, I, um, no. Um, okay, so explain it. Just, what do you do? So what, I just don't kiss. Oh. What? What do you do? There is no like, you know, people have like first date kisses. I just don't do it. I just don't do it because the only time that I know I am ready to to make out with someone, it's to the point where we we want to do other things already. So the the kiss is just let's get this out of the way. So you like sitting in the stands, and all of a sudden you're uh you're running all the bases. (laughs) Exactly. You play it. It's a long game. It's a long game. Okay. Would you like to go in my bedroom? Would you like to sit on my bed? You know, the things you need permission to do. The kiss is like at that point, you're like, okay, let's just get that part out of the way. Yeah. But, you know, I will say this growing up in Cyprus, um, I watch these Greek guys have the most incredible game of all time. And the way they did it was they were such gentlemen, so romantic. And such gentlemen all the time and so sweet. Like the last thing they wanted to do was physical. They were there because they loved you, your heart. They wanted to get to know you. And they're all like leaned in and like the Mm -hmm. soft whisper of how they spoke when you're telling the story (laughs) of your childhood. That these women, I would watch them because they were just like, at what point? Is this man gonna finally kiss me? Like they were just like dying for it. They, that they were the ones that <laughs> right. would initiate physically, because these guys were playing this incredible game of emotional investment, and that kind wow. of took out this question of the guy then kind of pushing the physicalness. Where then the girl would be like, "No, thank you," or "I'm not ready," or "I don't want that." And it was the woman that would lead it. Yeah, that's right? why. I've never, so, that's why I stay away from Greek men. <laughs> John Stamos. The no, game's no, no. too good. The game's no, no, you no, would no. just want to kiss him. That I mean, she... the way the way she's describing it, I'm like, whoa. whoa. Can I tell you the <laughs> the greatest piece of game I ever saw a guy running a girl? It was amazing. It was at a bar, mm-hmm. and she was talking. He's the bartender, Greek bartender. She was some tourist from somewhere, Jamaica. and she was sitting there and talking. She's nervous. He was very handsome bartender, um, and she was talking whatever and knocked her drink over. Okay. And he, without breaking eye contact or conversation, right, didn't even acknowledge the drink over, keeps talking, 
reaches down. There's like a bucket of ice, like under the bar, reaches down, keeps talking, grabs a couple of cubes of ice, reaches over, puts them on her hand to kind of, you know, why? Because it's sticky from the, the cocktail knocking over, you know, to kind of like clean her hand. And then has a, there's a towel, dries it, keeps talking, doesn't break, just keeps <laughs> going. And she's sitting there as this man like helps clean her like sticky hands and wipes down the bar, puts her drink up, refills it. Boom. All in like 45 seconds. This woman was literally running to the bedroom. This, this fun guys, fact, guys. There's I'm about a to drop lot this you gem. can learn from Greek men. I'm about to drop this gem on you guys. That woman, her name was Hannah Simone. <laughs> she, no, it was not. It was not. I thought you were going to say it was you Lamorne their Morris. Whole conversation? <laughs> Hannah, you watched their whole yeah, interaction. I, no, I worked at the bar. I worked at the uh. bar. But here was the thing that was amazing. I remember the first time I watched it because that woman changed because she was, you know, uh, how she was looking at him because she could have been embarrassed or whatever, but she was fully seduced. But here's the thing that was crazy. So the tourists would come and they're, they're on a three day holiday, four day holiday. They go back. Right. And they're like, oh my God, he was amazing. Stavros, I love him so much. Leave. Next day, you know, another batch of Swedish tourists show up. Gorgeous women show up, sit at the bar. Run the same game. Run the same game every <laughs> single time. And then I was like, oh, the ice cube and the towel again. Well, you know, those Swedish tourists were showing up to Cyprus looking for a Greek bartender. That's probably. also right. That's also that they were exactly like, right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> everybody had their fling anyway i'm just mm-hmm. saying it was really interesting that it took out the situation that schmidt is in which is like i want to kiss her should i ask i want to be respectful if your game is tight enough you can dodge this whole thing mm. yeah you just have to be a gentleman mm-hmm. you just gotta you just gotta be a gentleman bottom um, line be a gentleman that's right um so a little tidbit about it, there's a moment where uh, Remy comes in. We're rewinding a little bit. Remy comes in the loft um, and he sees, the, you know, another person lives there. Um, he an, sees, extra a, a, an extra person is in the loft. An extra person is in the loft, which is <laughs> against the rules, against the contract. Ingram Petersky. Um He realizes, uh, so he goes into the, the closet and he sees this big mural, this big weird Oh, that sex was a mural. LOL moment. My God, it looked like it was like a space sex orgy with like a. It's a intergalactic sexual tea party. Yes, that's what it, that's what Schmidt called it. it. Fun fact: that was I laughed. I have that in my house. What? I, oh, do you? I have that painting in my. It wasn't garage. painted on the wall. There was when in the closet originally. It was a big board that looked like it was a part of the wall, but then they redid oh it God. to make it my entire background my entire wall yeah yeah you turn the light off it says winston sucks but the original (laughs) the og piece that was in the closet i i stole that you stole it or was given to you you just legit stole it i I took it 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 was the last day of set it was a bunch of stuff laying around and i asked one of the transpo guys if he could (laughs) drive it over to my house because my butler wasn't working my my chauffeur wasn't working at the time (laughs) so one of the transpo and where is it in your house now it's in my garage yeah, that's that's a good place for it. Soon as you pull up, <laughs> space butt right there, but <laughs> space ass everywhere. So when that's we were describing, your daughter's gonna grow up with it. That <laughs> she's not allowed in the being garage. Being the thing she that's sees right. as you drive up into the garage <laughs> she's after not allowed. school, like as she gets older, she'll you should like, auction that off. <laughs> I am I'm going do. to. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to on this podcast. Maybe that's something we'll do. So we'll pick a charity. 
and then I'll I'll, uh, oh, that's I'll a auction good idea. it off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but going back, uh, <laughs> <laughs> going back um, to Schmidt. I will just say something super funny quickly about what um, Schmidt does. It's one of my favorite things in real life when people do. Because Cece says, um, you know, there's nothing less sexy than a guy asking to kiss you. When people say like statements like that, when you're like, mm-hmm. really? Nothing less sexy. <laughs> and you can go through a list of like, he says the funniest. I just, I, I feel like he went through so many alts. I remember sitting there and he had to say some of the craziest, unsexy, disgusting things in that list. And I think like four made the show. Um, but that was like a real taste for me of the level of alts and how <laughs> weird and funny and dark our writers could go. Um, but I also dark. love that in real life when people kind of go like, really? You're making this huge statement. Sounds a little dramatic. Let's unpack that. Let's walk that road. Um, I love that moment in this episode. Um, someone posed the question, how fortunate are we that this wasn't Nick and Jess's first kiss? Ooh. Oh, yeah. We are Super fortunate. Th- yeah. That wouldn't have been very romantic. And yeah. Jess and Nick's first kiss, I think, is a, that was a pretty epic uh, episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but you felt their tension, like the sexual yeah. tension in this episode, yes. perfectly. Where you kind of were like, "Ooh, are they really actually going to do it?" All of us became Remy. We all got creepy with it. <laughs> <laughs> we Everybody was in on. <laughs> well, like, everyone I guess was in on. The, we're going to all sit back what... and watch them get started. I guess that's what <laughs> maybe we're Remy all just doing. wanted them to get together, and he felt like that was the only way he could. What if Ooh. he's just Cupid? What if he's just trying to play Cupid? What if that was it? What if we do a rewind? Right? <laughs> and then every time there's a situation between Nick and Jess, we go down to the basement and we see Remy going, yes, my plan worked. That's right. That was Remy's plan all <laughs> along. <laughs> that would have been a hell of a finale. <laughs> <laughs> This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hello 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our show. All right, guys, welcome to True American, where the rules change weekly, or actually they didn't really change from last week, but um, you leave more confused than when you showed up. This week, we are answering listener letters again because there were so many great questions last week. That is right. It's time to open Ben Franklin's letter bag. Mm. (laughs) Birthday, buddy. Okay. This one, this first one is from Jelly Bean Jess. Birth name? (laughs) You think that's her birth name? That's someone's name. Don't make fun of it. Definitely don't laugh. (laughs) Jelly Bean Jess wants to know. What are the biggest differences and similarities between your characters and yourselves in real life? That's a big question, Jellybean hmm. Jess. Hmm. Okay, we can do one and one. I would say my biggest similarity is that I am a true ride or die friend. Like, I got you. That's no true. What, I want to be your first call. Doesn't matter, three in the morning. If you hate him, I hate him. Yes. You like him, I like him. Nice. I got you. Biggest difference? This episode kind of uh, made me look and see is that Cece w- walks in um, and I think he calls her out on it. He's like, are you, shouldn't you be like at a, you know, some sort of like Baccarat table, like with James mm-hmm. Bond or something um, dressed to the nines with the world's tiniest purse. Like it could hold like a piece of gum um, mm-hmm. and nothing could be further uh, from the truth. As I sit here in my sweatpants and my unicorn T-shirt with my hair tied up in a top knot. Hannah Simone is a real bag lady, yo. She's a bag lady. <laughs> yeah, like, you just don't cozy. dress like Cece. No, no. You're you're more like you're not gonna wear like high heels and body con dresses like every day. <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, no. Um, I got like a hippie heart. That's uh, not. Yeah, my you you style wear more like flowing florals. I would say. All right, that's uh, my biggest similarity, biggest difference. For me, biggest similarity, uh, it would probably be uh, how weird he can be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can be weird at times. You know what I mean? Not in a creepy way, just weird. Just like That's so surprising weird. to us. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just very left of center. Not, mm-hmm. not you know, I don't walk the, the beaten path. I, I take the road less traveled by. That has made all the difference. And so um, the the thing that is different, that was a similarity. The thing that I'd probably mm-hmm. say is um, that I vary from Winston. Um, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was. Uh, the cat the thing. Can we just the, talk about the cat thing? You hate different. cats. That's that's a big, that's on the nose. Though. I think everybody knows that about me. Um, I, ha- I definitely hate cats. I definitely hate cats. I don't, <laughs> I don't, but but I will say it's interesting when you when you're on the show for so long. Part of your real life, you start blending in with the character a little bit. I yeah. definitely have Winston isms in my life mm. sometimes that I'll find myself doing, and I go, "Oh, I got that from the show." <laughs> like I'll say certain things, and I go, "Zoe, you said something. I forget which episode, and, and I I watched an episode of Woke where I'm." I, I I'm saying a line, but I vary it, and it's the exact same way you delivered. <laughs> I think it's that's not even a little bit true. 
<laughs> I don't remember where you said that in, but I know that. Oh came yeah, from- that's not even a little bit true. Yeah, I remember that. I it's it's in one of these first episodes. Yeah, and I remember I saying that when somebody said, "Oh, Keith Knight, my character plays his name is Keith Knight." Go, oh, Keith Knight, hey, he doesn't support local artists, and I go, "That's not even a little bit true." I just said it, right? And very normally, but I know I didn't make that up. It came from right. somewhere. It came well, from we on the show. You know, again, we. You know, there there are things that blend in, and when you, it's like spending time with friends that you all have like inside jokes where you all say like the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then it ends up kind of everybody ends up saying the same, using the same kind of language that's funny to each other. I think we all had bits that would repeat and end up, you know, different people would say right. them, and then lines that were funny and made us laugh. I mean, definitely end up in your in the back of your head somewhere sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Um, for me, um, I think I'm optimistic like Jess. Um, and that's, we are similar like that. We do have some interests that are shared. Um, I, you know, I would say like a lot of Jess's clothes, like especially at the time, you know, it's like my style, you know, is always somewhat the same. But then, you know, it's like you have different things that you kind of go through phases of liking certain types of silhouettes and things like that and definitely my own style kind of got filtered into Jess a lot but where we're different I think I'm a little bit not quite as guileless as Jess maybe but there's a lot of me in in her for sure and uh yeah I mean again you play a character for seven years there's going to be parts of you in the character right. <laughs> um okay so this one is from Hayden um who's wondering what do the members of the loft use the money from the douchebag jar for? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know if we ever I think the, covered I want, that. Because there's what, real money in that jar. Like, as in, it wasn't yeah. like there was 20 bucks kind of alluded to to be in that jar. Because, I mean, we have the story of the 50. Well, you know, over years, yeah. yeah. There I been a lot of the money. $7.2 million. <laughs> Schmidt was on a roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They used it to buy a Rolls Royce to <laughs> out of Fort Bronco chauffeur Lamar. That actually would have been a fun episode for them to be like, we're going to use the cash for something. Yeah, that would have been. What I want to say worthy? we did. I just don't remember. Missed I, opportunity. Yeah. Or yeah. it happened and we don't remember. That's right. That's true. We might um, find out ourselves. We're not really sure. So let's get, we'll get back to you, Hayden. Um, this one's from Caitlin R. This is a, an interesting question. Are you team Nick or Sam for Jess? Come on. Come so, on now. Come on. Okay. I'm on, team Caitlin. Nick because that's what the show, you know, part of what the show was, was like getting certain characters together. And it was, you know, and Nick and Jess had to end up together. That said, and I love that, you know, I love the couple. I loved every minute of, you know, working with Jake and, and creating, you know, that dynamic. But that said... I love David Walton and I would totally watch that show. Mm-hmm. Sam and Jess. I would a hundred percent watch that show. I love Dr. Sam. Thought it was a he was a great character. Um, and he was he, he was also like, you know, to make that, you know, to make it all work, he had to be a formidable opponent for Nick. You know, there had to be a case for Sam. Right. And so that's why I do think that. You know, it worked that he was such a good. He was good for Jess too, in a way. You know. Yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, Team Nick, right? 
You gotta be. You gotta be. Nick team Miller. Nick, Nick Miller. <laughs> you gotta be team Nick. I'll, I mean, Doctor Sam was cool though. I mean, I, I gave him a bird shirt, and um, Winston gave him a bird <laughs> shirt, and I think that was that was fun. Nick would never wear one of his bird shirts. That was one of those like on paper things, right? Like on paper, Doctor Sam is like such a perfect fit for Jess. On paper, for most people, he <laughs> was mm-hmm. like a perfect fit and this great guy. And I think that's what was so great about this show is that so much of who we're drawn to and who we choose in our life, it's just heart led. You know, mm. it doesn't always make the most sense, but you can't deny it. Okay. And that's the Nick Jess thing. They just couldn't deny it. Meant to be. Wow. Look at that. Did you know. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Like and subscribe. Please do. Please we do. We love you. Um, also, thanks to Josh Melmoth for illuminating the Bruce Willis uh, situation. And uh, Bruce, if you're out there, let us know uh, what happened. It's a great tidbit. It's a great tidbit. That's right. That's yeah. Right. I wonder if we could get Bruce Willis to actually I know <laughs> send a little voice note of why he, he didn't want to show up. <laughs> no, he's going to tell us. Just like via a, a representative, make a comment. We'll get yeah. Justin Long's good friends with Bruce Willis. We'll get him to do it. We'll get Is there. He? Yeah, they did Die Hard together. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. That's right. Then text Is that Justin. Live Free or Die Hard? <laughs> yeah. Because I did a, an indie called Live Free or Die. So I remember, I always remember the name <laughs> of that one because I'm like, oh, I, I did a movie that was just one word off from this. Thank you guys for tuning in. We miss you already. We love you. See you next we week. We love you. Come over we'll and kick it. Hear us next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Welcome to Our Show, a New Girl Recap podcast. Welcome to Our Show is a production of iHeartRadio, hosted by Zoe Deschanel, Lamorne Morris, and Hannah Simone. Our executive producer is Joelle Monique. Our engineer and editor is Daniel Goodman. The Welcome to Our Show theme song was written by Zoe Deschanel, performed and produced by Zoe Deschanel and Pierre DeRita. Follow us on Instagram at Welcome to Our Show Pod. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, you can email us at Welcome to Our Show Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share far and wide. Thanks for listening. We'll hear you next week. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts the Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. 
David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.